You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. In 2002, the movie Signs came out. It was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, It starred Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys, even though it's been over 15 years now. But (laughs) uh, if you haven't seen it, in the beginning of this movie, uh, all of these crop circles begin appearing all over the world. And people, at first, when they go see it, they think it's some type of elaborate prank. But more and more, as time goes on, these people begin worshiping these crop circles. They think it's some type of act of God. But it's only later in the movie that we realize these crop circles are actually just a sign that points to something greater. That these crop circles are actually a sign that points to something much more important. Hence the movie title, Signs. A few weeks ago, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. One of the most famous miracles in the Bible, the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. But Jesus calls these miracles signs. He says these are signs and wonders. The miracle itself is important, but you see it's still just a sign. And the sign points to something much bigger, and his name is Jesus Christ. After Jesus feeds the crowd with just two loaves and five fish, the crowd follows him to Capernaum, and it's there that Jesus explains the miracle. Let's look at verse 35 together. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, what Jesus can offer and what the world can offer are completely different. The world can offer you physical satisfaction, but it's only temporary. Jesus offers you something so much more. He offers you eternal life in heaven. When he multiplied the fish and the bread in the crowd, it was meant to be temporary. He knew that it was only a physical satisfaction that would crave only a little bit of their hunger. And he says, I know that you're going to get hungry again, but I can offer you something that will satisfy your hunger forever. You know, for the Israelites, there was a powerful reference that everyone knew when Jesus mentioned bread. For 40 years in the wilderness, God provided manna from heaven. Every morning, bread would fall from the sky and it would feed the Israelites. And the Bible says that manna, it looked like Uh, It looked white and flaky, like frost when it fell. The Bible says that it tasted like honey, that it satisfied them until the next day when bread would come. So when Jesus performed this miracle, the crowd would immediately think back and see Jesus as this prophet, this second coming of Moses. But Jesus, he knew what they were thinking, and so in verse 32, he says this, No, it wasn't Moses who provided the bread. It was my father. And so they asked to give them more food. And Jesus replies with this, I am the bread of life. 
And so what I want to do today is just examine that one phrase, I am the bread of life. I want to answer two questions. First, what is the bread of life? Why out of all things God would use this specific phrase? Why would Jesus say bread of life? And number two, how do you receive it? How do you gain this bread of life? Those are the two things that we're going to explore today. You know, in, uh, in Greek, there are two words in the Bible that are translated to the English word life. The first is bios, which just means uh, your physical life. So when you say your age, for example, uh, that is referring to your bios, or the amount of time that you've lived here on earth. The other Greek word, though, is one that we're not as familiar with, and it's called zoe, which doesn't refer to your physical life, but to the quality of your life. For example, I remember going to the beach for a school trip one day, and um, it was uh, a great time. We had so much fun. And, uh, me and my friend were out in the ocean. We were swimming and reminiscing, all this kind of stuff. And uh, he just turns to me and says, man, Danny, isn't this a life? Wouldn't it be strange if I went, what, what do you mean? Were you dead before? What, what do you mean? What, what, I don't understand what you mean by that. Uh, were you not living before? I would be foolish if I said that. I know that he's not talking about his bios or his existence, but about his Zoe, his quality of life. When Jesus promises eternal life, he promises eternal Zoe. If it was just eternal bios, then that would mean you would be keeping all of your problems, all of your worries, all the stresses, all the things that you're going through right now, but it would be forever. You know, I remember when we were out evangelizing in Pittsburgh, uh, and I came across this restaurant worker, and I was trying to explain the gospel to them, and we were talking and, and explaining and all this type of stuff, and uh, finally we got to the question, do you believe that there is a heaven and a hell? And their response actually surprised me. They said, I don't know if there's a heaven or a hell, but I feel like I'm living in hell right now. And... When we think of the term bios, and we think of eternal bios, that actually is what hell is. It's just eternal life without life. One of the greatest challenges in life is differentiating between the false Zoe's and the true Zoe. In the Exodus story, God sent manna for every morning, but it was spoiled every single night. And so God would provide just enough for that day, and when they tried to keep it and store it, it would spoil and go bad. The reason why God never let them keep more bread than a day was to teach the Israelites to depend on him alone. Manna and everything else in this world will be temporary, but only God is eternal. The only Zoe in this world worth pursuing is the Lord. You know, there are a lot of things that will add quality of life to you your relationships with your family and friends, uh, your career that you spend a majority of your life doing, uh, the exercise and diet you put into your health. These are all good things and these are all gifts, gifts from God. But when they become your main source of joy, when they become your main Zoe, you'll realize that they'll spoil just like everything else, that, they'll, that they will spoil like manna. You know, C.S. Lewis, he said it in this way in his book, Mere Christianity. Most people, if they have really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want, and want acutely, 
something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love, or first think of some foreign country, or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. You know, I'm going to give you an example of a false Zoe. Alcohol is talked about repeatedly in the Bible. You know, and we all know alcohol by itself is not sinful. But when we rely on it for courage, when we drink it to make us happy, when we get drunk to uh, escape reality and to escape from our problems, then it turns into that bread that we think will satisfy us forever. In pharmacology books, alcohol is actually considered a depressant. Uh, it's strange because we use it to liven up the atmosphere. We use it to make us happy. But the reason why it gives you a false sense of joy, the reason why it's called a depressant, is because it dulls your sense of reality. It dulls your understanding of what real life is. And that's what alcohol, that's what money, and that's what every false Zoe will do. It helps you simply escape reality. It helps you escape what real life is. But Paul, he writes, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When Jesus becomes your foundation for your quality of life, then you see life as it truly is. Your whole perspective begins to change. The way you treat people, the way you love people, the way you interact with people, all completely change because you become a new creation. You become a new person. God has given you a new identity. You know, when I was in college, I was uh, actually a religion major. And the main reason why I decided to major in religion was simply because I was curious. I was searching for something. You know, I grew up in the church, and my father was a pastor, but for me, I didn't know if Jesus was the right way. And so for me, my whole desire, my whole goal as I went to college and as I decided to major in religion was to simply say, I want to find what the real truth is. I want to see really what Buddhism can offer me. I want to see really what Hinduism, what Taoism, what, Confuci what Confucianism, if they can really offer me something that maybe Jesus can't offer me. And so that was my mindset going into college. That was my mindset majoring in religion. But in the middle of college, I got saved. And from then on, my perspective changed. And when we were studying different religions, all of a sudden, I could see this common chord of works and doing to achieve your faith. There was this Zoe that was in all these other religions, but you had to work in order to get it. You had to follow these five pillars of faith. You had to follow the eightfold path to faith. What all these other religions were saying was, I have that bread you're looking for, and I can show you where to find it. But Jesus, he doesn't claim to have the bread. He says, I am the bread. In verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. And this is what Jesus tells Thomas later in John 14, 6. Thomas realizes that Jesus is leaving. So, Jesus, so he tells Jesus, he asks Jesus, where are you going? How will I know the way? 
And so Jesus answers, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can get to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus, he doesn't promise to teach Thomas the way to get to salvation. He tells Thomas that he is the way. All other religions, all other religions will try their best to teach you how to find salvation how to find eternal life, and how to find that ultimate truth. But Jesus doesn't say that he'll teach us. All he says is to follow him because he is the way. So when we chase after Jesus, we find salvation because Jesus is salvation. You know, there are so many other religions in the world, and they all look for the same thing, that road that leads to the ultimate Zoe. But Jesus did what no other religion can do. Jesus did what no other sin, what no other addiction, what no other pleasure in this world can ever do. And that is he came to earth, died on the cross, and rose again for our sins so that we can be with him forever. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4, it says this, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus is the bread of life, you guys. Jesus is it, and he is salvation. He is the way. And so now that we know what the bread of life is, how do we receive it? There are two things we need to understand about Jesus before we can ever accept him as our bread of life. The first is understanding the magnitude of who God is. You know, on our, one of our last nights in Pittsburgh, we went to this place called Mount Washington. And it was it's this ledge that overlooks the entire city. And when we went there, it was, um, it was around sunset. So the sky was red, and there was orange and, and yellow there. And the whole, you could see the whole skyline, and it was, uh, it was beautiful. And I remember before we got there in the car, people were talking and, and chatting and laughing and having fun. But the minute we stepped onto that ledge and we looked out, it was silent. No one said a single word. We were just looking at the vastness of God's creation. And it wasn't only the vastness of God's creation that made us speechless, but how small we felt in comparison. You know, when Jesus says to the crowd, I am the bread of life. He's saying I am in a way that would bring a story to the minds of the Jewish people then. When Moses saw the burning bush and asked who it was, God answered with this very simple phrase, I am. Jesus is saying, I am the God that always am the God that has no beginning and has no end. I was never made. I never was before. I always am, and I always will be. I am forever. And because he is forever, it shows how insignificant the crowd and we are in comparison. And so that's the first thing we need to understand about who Jesus is. The second thing is is understanding the importance of broken bread broken bread. For us, you know, we rarely think about the food that we eat, Uh, specifically that it used to be alive. And I'm not even talking about animals. I'm talking about even plants, too, right? Animals and plants used to be alive, and they die for our sake so that we can live, right? Do you guys agree with that? Yes? 
Yeah. And so when we believe that, though, in order for us to enjoy food, we know that something has to die so that we can be satisfied, so that we can continue to live. And uh, we know that in order for us to even eat bread, wheat itself has to die. And bread itself has to be broken for us to eat it. In a few minutes, we're actually going to be taking communion, which is a time where we recognize what Jesus did for us. In Luke 22, the night before he died, he had the Last Supper. And when he was giving out the bread, it says that he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, I am the God who became bread. That even in his vastness, even in his majesty, even in his I am, he came down to earth and made himself vulnerable so that he could die on the cross for our sins. He broke himself so that we could be made whole. And that's what you need to understand in order to receive Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus calls himself the bread of life. The miracle of the five fish and two loaves is amazing, yes, but it's only a sign that points, to, that points to the true bread that will satisfy us for eternity. And so finally, what does this mean for us today? We need to depend on God every single day. Just like the Israelites were not allowed to store manna because it was spoil, God is calling us to form a deeper relationship with him every day. We can't rely on our past work or our past experiences to help us into the future. God is wanting to give us fresh things, new mercies, new glories, new things for us. But in order for us to, to get those new blessings, we need to go back to him daily. He will not give us new blessings for old sacrifices, for old things, for old experiences. When we try to rely on our past relationship with God, the new situations in our life begin to overwhelm us. Barnes & Noble, actually, they, they just released a report um, saying that sales of books related to anxiety are up 25% more than last year. You know, people today are more anxious and more worried than ever before. But if you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, then your true bread is everlasting and is over everything. The thing you're worrying about, it may be important, but it's not everything. It's not. Jesus is your ultimate Zoe, your quality of life, and everything else is secondary. And lastly, Jesus is the only one who can give you true eternal life. Death, you see, is the one problem that we all face in this world. But if Jesus Christ is your Savior, then the problem of death is not a problem anymore. Jesus gives us a new life. In the Bible, a young man named Jairus comes to Jesus and says that his daughter is dying. But on the way to heal her, his daughter dies. And as people are mourning, Jesus says, well, why are you mourning? She's not dead. She's only asleep. And so he holds her hand and lifts her up, and she becomes alive again. In John 11, 25, 26, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me 
will never die. Do you believe this? I believe this is the question that Jesus is asking us today. Everyone is trying to find that road. Everyone is trying to find that place, that road to salvation, that way, that truth, or that life, that ultimate Zoe. Every religion, every passion, everything is telling you that they have the solution. But Jesus Christ is the only one who died for our sins. He's the only one who rose again. He's the only one that can truly give you eternal life. He's the only way. And he is that bread of life. Amen? Let's pray. Right now, um, I'd just like for us to take a few minutes just to reflect on what we've heard, reflect on what God has spoken today. You know, there's going to be so many different religions, there's going to be so many different people and things and all of these um, addictions or whatever vying for your affections. And they're going to say that they have the ultimate Zoe. But one thing that we do know for certain is that none of those things can do what Jesus did for us. That Jesus is the only one. He doesn't claim to have bread. He says he is the bread of life. And so for us, is that something that you truly believe in? Is he your ultimate Zoe? Is he your ultimate quality of life? Because nothing else will satisfy you. I guarantee you that. There is nothing else in this life that will give you that type of satisfaction. Everything else will spoil, just like manna. And so right now, let's just pray and take a couple minutes.